In the name of Jesus, amen. Christmas, as a confession, is always a hard time, at least for me, to preach. Because I want to preach it all. You know, I want, I want to preach a home-run sermon every time. And, and I've never been able to do that yet. Maybe this is it. I don't know. But when in doubt, as a preacher, and when in doubt, as a person of faith, look at the text. Right? It's right in front of you. Look at the text. And when I looked at the text repeatedly over the past month, I have two questions, and they're both about shepherds. Why is this announcement made to shepherds? It doesn't make any sense. And why is this very important announcement made in the middle of a field, out in the middle of nowhere? Again, a PR problem and shepherds. So let's start with the shepherds. Angels of the Lord come down from heaven and announce to shepherds in the middle of a field that Christ has been born. Now, this is great news for the shepherds, but no one else really hears this. Now, I was trying to figure out why this incredibly life-giving and transforming message would be given to a few people and not to everyone, or at least not to some form of mass communication. But no, it's just a few shepherds. And I think, at least the reason that I think in Luke and throughout Scripture, I think that reason begins all the way back in Genesis. Now, I'm not going to go through every book of the Bible all the way to Luke. Don't worry. We're going to get out of here by midnight. But if you go all the way back into Genesis, there's a promise made to Abraham. And the promise made to Abraham initially was that he would be the father of many nations and all the families of the world would be blessed through him. And we see this taking part, at least a little bit. We see this taking part when Abraham becomes the father of at least Isaac, and the grandfather of Jacob. Jacob, who would wrestle the angel and become Israel, right? The one who wrestles with God. He had his hip put out of place. Israel would eventually have sons in uh, sons from Joseph, or son named Joseph, and he would lead them into Goshen. Goshen was the place that eventually was Egypt, and Egypt had eventually the Hebrews. They cried out for mercy because they were eventually turned into slaves. And then God sent them Moses to lead them out of the land of Egypt. And then they wandered kind of through the desert after trying to enter the promised land the first time. And eventually they got into the promised land. And after all that kind of... After they settled all the promised land through a bunch of really kind of hard-to-read spots like Jericho and all the rest, they had judges. God was supposed to be their king and judges would settle among them. But the judges slowly and slowly became ineffective. And at the end of the book of Judges, we have some really gruesome things taking place. And then we get into the book of Kings. And these kings were supposed to be good kings. And Israel, as a nation, was crying out for a king. But the prophet Samuel said, you know what? This isn't going to be very good because the kings will take all your things. They will take your horses. They will take your cattle. They will take your spouses and children. They will take what is not theirs and they will gather it in for themselves and they still cried out for a king. And then finally God said, you know what? They're rebelling against me and not you. Samuel, just give him a king. And so they gave him Saul and he wasn't any good. And they gave him David and he was all right. They gave him Solomon and he was pretty good. At least he got the temple up. But 
eventually these kings just, again, they fell apart. And the nation fell apart. There was a north nation, a south nation. The south nation is the one that we call Judah. And eventually, the ten tribes of Israel in the north were dispersed by oncoming imperial forces. And eventually, the southern kingdom also was taken over. And after Assyrians and Babylonians and eventually Romans, well, Persians were in there somewhere, they eventually come back, they build the second temple, they weep because it's not what the first temple was. And after centuries, we come to this point where shepherds are out in the middle of a field. Originally, the promise was that all the nations of the world would be blessed. And it didn't quite seem to happen. Announcing this to the shepherds is when the experience of God's promise to all of humanity of blessing changed. Up to this point, God had chosen specific people that they might be blessings to the whole world. God chose Abraham, and God chose his descendants, and God chose prophets, and God chose kings, and God chose judges, and God chose people even outside of Israel to be people for them. And this worked a little bit, but not all the families of the earth was blessed. And so instead of choosing specific people, God became a specific person so that God could choose you and me and all the peoples of the earth. The shepherds were the first ones to realize that God became a specific person so that no one would be left outside of this. Choosing the shepherds in the middle of nowhere, the shepherds who were usually not a part of society that you wanted to associate with, the shepherds who just kind of lived on their own. That was God's way of saying, when I mean all the families of the world will be blessed, I mean all will be blessed. Every one of them. The second question I had about these shepherds is the PR question. Why are we making this announcement in the middle of a field? I mean, if this announcement bears the weight of the entire history of God's interaction with people, why not announce it at least in the town, right? Where more people can hear it. I think this announcement is God's way of showing how this works. Kind of, not really the mechanics of it, but kind of the mechanics of it. It doesn't matter what we do with the announcement. If it did, it would have been swallowed up long ago, right? I mean, it's a nice little story, but I guarantee you, you can't 50 years ago hear a story that took place and still tell it the same way today. It's that whisper down the valley effect, right? I mean, one person catches a fish this big and 50 years later, this person caught a whale off the coast of the Arctic or whatever, you know? It doesn't, it, the story isn't the same. But somehow we get the story of these shepherds here today and we're telling it once again to each other so many years later. The story shows us, the shepherds show us, that the weight of the gospel is not on our shoulders. 
The effect of the gospel is not on our shoulders. How the gospel gets around is not on our shoulders. And this goes really contrary to what we hear on a regular basis, right? So often, we are the ones who are supposed to be prophets in this world. We're the ones who are supposed to be missionaries in this world. We're the ones who are supposed to be teachers in this world. Christ-like in this world. And yes, all that's true, but the weight of it is not on our shoulders. God can announce His coming in the middle of a field and Christ will still reign. The weight of the gospel is not on your shoulders. But the gospel is made beautiful in our lives. The gospel came down without the shepherds, but the gospel took on new light because the shepherds heard it and were excited about it. The gospel came down without Mary, but it was made beautiful in Mary. The gospel came down without the three or however many kings, but was made beautiful in them. The gospel came down without the people that Jesus touched, without the people that followed Christ, without the people who were healed and magnified. But the gospel was made beautiful in their lives. The gospel came down without you, and the gospel came down without me, but it's made beautiful when it takes hold and when it shapes us and when all of a sudden we become like Christ in it. The gospel was told to shepherds in the middle of a field because God became specific person. The gospel was told in the middle of a field because the weight of the gospel is not on our shoulders, but because the gospel becomes beautiful in our lives. This central meaning of Christmas is that Christ came down. But in this text, there's life. There's powerful, transforming life. And it doesn't happen anywhere else. It happens here with us. It happens everywhere else. But it happens here with us. People of God, May all the families in this place be blessed. May all the families in Arnsville be blessed. May all the families in Biglerville and Gettysburg be blessed, in Adams County be blessed, in the U.S., in the world be blessed. And this blessing does not rest on your shoulders, but it is made beautiful when your lives are touched and touch it. The blessings of Christmas and the blessings of this announcement made in the middle of the field and now made in the middle of nowhere, Arnsville, be with you now, this day. Amen.